Hello, America. And here we are again. It's The Daily Answer. I'm your host, Mark Dunnigan. You know, you would think that war would be something that the devil and the demons would be all excited about. War, suffering, destruction, mayhem, casualties, you know, the chance for atrocities, things like that. But, and there may be some truth to that. The thing is, though, is that war in the Bible is not a purely negative thing. The generation that came out of Egyptian bondage basically was punished because they would not go up and battle the Canaanites. They would not go up and take the land, even though God said he would be with them. And there are times that God commands, like in the book of Joshua, because the Canaanites have had like at least four centuries to change their ways and repent going back all the way to Genesis 15, uh, where God has said, hey, you're not going to, your descendants are not going to get that land right away. Abraham, the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet full or complete. God gave the Canaanites a chance to repent and change their ways. And, but Leviticus 18 is a great chapter that just says 400 years later, they were depraved and wicked and worse than they'd been before. They're sacrificing their children. Uh, they're having sex with animals. They're not respecting the covenant of a marriage. They're not respecting gender. Man, they're, they're just dumpster fire, fires and train wrecks. And they are a corrupt culture now. And the only thing left to do is that, like, man, if that culture is allowed to survive, it's just going to corrupt everything around them. It's just going to continue to corrupt their, and consume and abuse their children. And it's time for them to go. In the screw tape letters, though, it's interesting, C.S. Lewis observed that while believers might think that the demons are in favor of war, by contrast, they understand that war can be dangerous to their cause. Something for us to ponder. Maybe there's an element of truth there. What, what he's saying is that during times of war, people tend to think more about their own mortality, death, what's next. And what really matters in life. It's the old idea there's no atheist in a foxhole. All of a sudden you get in the war and, well, people contemplate deep things. If I'm going to die, then I want to know what's next. And I think you saw some of that, well, the Second World War, did that produce more unbelievers or believers? Did, did people... Were there more people going to churches or less people going to churches during that period of time and shortly thereafter? 9-11, after 9-11, did, did people tend for a while to turn to God a little bit? Or did they say, hey, let's just do what we, ever, what, what, what we want to do and let's be irresponsible and think we're the gods of our own world? And it just seems to me that in the face of war and huge natural disasters that even senators and presidents and politicians and news anchors tend to talk more about God during that time. And Lewis may be right. Lewis may be right. Um, I am doing this podcast from Albuquerque and I'm doing it in early October and the weekend before this podcast Hamas killed innocent men, women, and children in Israel. 
And after watching the footage on television, go back to that point and you probably vividly remember it, just like 9-11. Did all of your pressing problems tend to become smaller by comparison? In light of such evil, were you motivated to live better yourself? Did the thought occur to you in light of the evil that is in this world, the last thing I need to do is to be selfish. World doesn't need any more selfish people. Or after seeing the suffering and the cruelty and how people can just act worse than animals, what am I doing adding any suffering to a world that has plenty of suffering? I mean, were you, after you saw that, were you motivated to say, I don't need to be sinning anymore. We're done with that. Or that there's something wrong about me. Like, I got to be me right now. Something wrong about saying that in light of something like 9-11 or what was just, what just transpired. And something else caught my attention is that it's very difficult to maintain a posture of moral relativism, which are, is way, way popular in the world, but also America has been buying into it as well. In light of an event like that, I say moral, moral relativism is your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and there's no absolutes and nothing's really absolutely true or false and nothing's really absolutely good or evil. But when people kill innocent children and women, civilians, intentionally, doesn't that just kind of destroy the whole moral relativism perspective? I mean, at that point, do, don't you have to swallow hard? And even if you don't want to accept it, don't you have to swallow hard and say, I'm wrong? There is such a thing as absolute evil. There are things that are absolutely good and absolutely right. And then there are things that are absolutely wrong. That is, this is evil, period. No ifs, ands, and buts. You know, and for the first time, in a while after that, I heard congressmen and others talk like there's a God and that good and evil do exist and that hell exists. Such horrific events at least can bring people back to reality, to the real world. In addition, I'm simply amazed at God's patience during at such times. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 God is not willing for any to perish, but is patiently waiting for people to repent. And the only reason that Jesus has not shown up yet is because God is patiently giving people a chance to correct their lives. He doesn't want to see people lost. And I don't know if I could do that. Because after what I saw on television my gut level knee-jerk reaction is wipe those terrorists off the face of the earth and send them to hell. Or God and the world right now, Jesus come. It's done. Game over. We, we, we have ceased. As the human race, we've given up a right to exist any longer on this beautiful planet. You know, when you witness such, you understand why the flood arrived and why God started over. 
Every thought of the heart was evil continually right before the flood. And yes, there are those among us who are simply bent on causing as much trouble and suffering as absolutely possible. I, I perfectly understand why God reached a point with the Canaanites who were sexually abusing their children and doing horrific things and offering and putting babies alive on a heated altar and listening to them scream and thinking that somehow that appeased their gods. I, I understand why God said they got to be wiped out. They got to be wiped out. You see, people that are squeamish about the flood and squeamish about Joshua's conquest, first of all, don't, don't understand sin and evil. But a lot of times they're kind of sheltered people. They've lived in a bubble. They've never, they've met, never met evil face to face. They've never had someone just kick. They've never had someone stop them on the road take their family out of a car and then just blow and then just shoot their kids in front of them. They've never had that. And when you realize that there are people that have no qualms about doing that, man, you, you don't have any moral objections to the flood or you don't have any moral objections to the removal of the Canaanites and you don't have any moral rejections to an eternal hell, which includes ongoing suffering, as Jesus noted. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a lot of evil in the world. And we just see a fraction. I mean, I don't... If God, if God started showing me, here's all the evil in the world happening right now, I don't think I could last 30 seconds before I'd say, end it, end it. You know, I was showing all the kids being abused and all the people being raped and all the women being abused and just horrible things that people were doing each other and how people were torturing each other and etc. I don't think I could last on God's throne for 30 seconds without saying, we're done, we're done, we're done. Man, in light of such evil, can we at least commit to do as much good as we can while we're here? I mean, let that motivate you. Let it motivate you of... Okay, there's plenty of evil in the world. There needs to be some good. And I need to stop sinning. And I need to stop rebelling and having a bad attitude. And I need to start treating people right. And I need to start loving God with my whole heart. Is it too much to ask? Stop doing evil. Is it too much to ask? Would you stop being selfish? Would you stop adding to the suffering? Would you stop thinking about yourself all the time? Is that just too much to ask? And just how about a commitment? I'm not going to add any more suffering to a world that already has plenty of suffering in it. Not going to rebel. <coughs> Excuse me. I will obey God and honor my godly parents. I will honor my marriage vows. You made a commitment. This, whole, this, this other per person was building their whole present and future on that commitment. You brought kids into the world. Together, they need you. Now is not the time even to dabble in sin or to drop your commitments 
or the selfishly say, I got to go off and take care of me. In light of the evil, and it's real, do as much good as possible. Mark Dunnigan for The Daily Answer. See you in the funny papers, my friend.